And my word of welcome, we're glad that you're here today. Glad to see each one of you. We want to welcome those who are worshiping with us online today. We're always glad to have you as well. Now, we've been in series, and this is a new series that we're kicking off today, and it's Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets. I want to ask you an honest question today. I want you to give me an honest answer. How many of you have ever made a bad decision? Anybody here? Okay, those of you who did not raise your hand just made a bad decision because you lied in church right now when I asked you that question. <clears throat> I made some bad decisions. When I was a younger man, I was impetuous. I made foolish choices. One time I traded a Camaro for a Jeep. Bad decision. I mean, I was 19 years old. I'm 65 now. That happened a few years ago, but I'm not bitter. I've gotten over it. It's taken a while. If I had that car today, it'd be worth a whole lot of money, but it's gone with the wind now. You know, those decisions that you make that make you want to cringe, even when you're by yourself and you remember them and it just makes you give you a heebie-jeebies, you don't even want to deal with it. And, and so you just, Lord, please just take that out of my memory. I don't even want to think about that anymore. Now, the big idea of this series is that there's a relationship between good questions and good decisions. The staff will tell you, my family will tell you, I'm a firstborn. I ask a lot of questions. I'm curious. But the only way to find out answers is to ask questions, right? And so I ask a lot of questions. Well, if you want to have good decisions, you've got to ask good questions. A, a good question, timed at the right time, asked in the right way, can help us discern answers that we need in life that we need to follow. Now, once you look at this today, I'm going to give you five questions in this series that I want you to have. And I want you to have them in advance. Because whenever you get ready to make a decision, you go to these five questions and you ask yourself each one of those questions before you decide about any important decision that you have. Now, if you will answer those questions honestly, and if you will act on your answer I promise you it'll make a difference because you may be going in the wrong direction. You may be headed this way. You may be like Pharaoh. I'm just going to get out of the ministry. I'm going to do something else. Ha, ha, ha. That was funny. I like that. You know, that, that doesn't work, does it? Because God says, you just think you are. I, I'm going to put you in the belly of a whale. That's what happened. And so he said, no, we're going in a different direction. Now, yes, Lord, you have my attention. I don't need to be swallowed by a big fish. Okay. And then ultimately, You'll go where God wants you to go. Now, also, it won't just affect you. It'll affect the people that you influence, the people that look to you, the people who depend on you, maybe the people who work for you. They'll all be in a better position because of the decisions you made. In fact, some of the decisions that you and I make today will have an impact on our descendants in years to come from now. In fact, my great-grandfather, Noel Wilson, was a man of prayer. He was a man of God. He was a man of prayer. My grandmother used to love to tell the story of when she was just a little girl. She would tiptoe past his room in the hallway. She would look in, and in the morning early, he would be on his knees, and he would have his hands folded. He would be leaning over in a rocking chair, and he would be praying out loud. She said many times when she would pass by there, she would hear him praying for the future generations of his family to be saved. He was praying for me. I, you know, he died before I was even born. But it wasn't just me. 
Think about all the other people he influenced by his prayers. I spoke at my grandmother's funeral. I told that story and I said, many of the people in this room today are his descendants. And we owe him a, a, a great gratitude because of what he's done, a debt of gratitude for what he's done for us. But it's not just me or my wife, but it, what about my children and my grandchildren? I mean, his prayers are still being answered even into the future. And he died a long, long time ago. Wouldn't you like to have that kind of impact in life to make a difference in what happens in eternity for other people, for their benefit? So you and I, we can turn to God and we can say, now, Lord, not only don't want to do this for my benefit, but I want to do it for others' benefit as well. What kind of decisions have your parents or your grandparents made that have impacted your life? Maybe for good, maybe for bad. You know, it can be in different ways. And the point is, you never know who or what you're going to influence. Now listen, private decisions have public outcomes. A lot of times we might think, hey, nobody's paying attention to me. It doesn't really matter what I think or what I do. But that's not true. Because God can use us. We never know who's watching us and the influence we can have. Yesterday, I went to a funeral. It was in Niceville, Florida. It was for Doug Newton. Some of you may remember Alan Newton. He was the pastor here for a few years. Doug Newton was a guy who preached at church camp the first time I ever went. I was in junior high school. They loaded us up on a bus and brought us to Baldwin County, Alabama. We didn't know that the Alabama-West Florida Conference was the promised land flowing with milk and honey, but we learned that, God knew, and he brought us down here. I'd never heard anybody preach like that. I worked with Doug later. He, he was so good about giving people an opportunity to go into the ministry. He would give us jobs. He would let us work for him. He was so patient with us. He would explain things to us. I worked for him for a year. I never heard him preach a bad sermon. They were always good. He had such an impact on my life. And yesterday, as we sat there, there was a whole row of ministers that he had impacted. People, and that's just the preachers, people that, that he had either led into the ministry, people who had worked on staff with him, people who had been influenced by him, people, sometimes lay people, and he had talked to them. Steve Winton spoke yesterday at the funeral. He did a great job. When he sat down, he was sitting beside me. I said, Steve, you read that just like I wrote it. That was so good. That's Cameron and Katie's dad. Now, Steve and Peggy, they grew up on the mountain with Laura. That's a true story. My wife, Laura. Laura went with Steve and Peggy up to the mountain one summer. They were up there visiting family. Peggy said to Steve, hey, let's go out to the cemetery. I want to check on our plots out there where we're going to be buried. Steve said, Peg, you want me to lay down so you can measure and make sure that I fit, you know? They went out there, and, and Laura said, hey, this is the Foster Cemetery out here. My mother's maiden name was Foster. There's Fosters everywhere around here. This is right here by Foster Falls. You know, why are you getting buried here? Peggy said, well, I'm related to these people. Laura grew up with Peggy. She said, I'm related to these people too. They didn't even know. They're related to each other. Chances are, if you grew up on the mountain, you're related to each other, okay? But Steve Winton, he said that yesterday he came down, he was a layman. He wasn't in the ministry, but he came to Niceville and he spoke there during Youth Week. And Doug Newton came up to him after the service. He says, Steve, have you ever considered 
going into full-time ministry? Steve said that was the first person who ever asked him that question. And Doug just had that way about him. He, he just had that way of talking to young people and encouraging young people. And, and he mentored young people and he involved young people and he made time for young people and he made sure that he took them to church camp and he made sure that they knew Jesus. He, he was really involved. He cared about all people. That's the kind of person he was. A few years later, Steve was living in Tennessee Cameron was a little baby. She was tiny. She was sitting on my lap on the front porch. And we were just sitting out there talking. I said, Steve, you know God's called you into the ministry, don't you? Nope, not me, huh? No, no, somebody else. I said, Steve, you always led Bible study when we were in college. All of us gone into the ministry now. You need to go. No, no, not me. The next day, he was out back behind his cabin. He was cutting wood. He said he got down on his knees in tears. He said, God, if you want me to be a preacher, I'll do it. But now you're going to have to tell me. I'm going to have to know without a shadow of a doubt. He walked back to the cabin. He opened the back door. The phone rang. He picked it up. It was Steve, uh, Jeff Spicer, another one of our preacher friends. He says, Steve, we got an appointment for you down here in Pensacola, a church for you to serve. Steve said, <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'll be right there. And he went into the ministry, and the rest is history. Now, there's five of us from Tennessee that ended up down here. You know, there we were sitting on the road together and others that have been impacted. You think about the lives that he touched, the lay people that he reached, but then think about all of us in the ministry and think about all the churches that we've served and think about all the people that God has used for us to reach and think about the impact that that made. You never know. Your private decisions will have public outcomes. So it's a really big deal. And if your parents, one of the most important things you're ever going to do is raise children and have an influence on them. And so you pray for them every day. I pray the same prayer my great-grandfather prayed, that the future generations of my family will be Christians. And I want to spend time with my children and my grandchildren. And, and so everything that we do in life, but it's not just about them. It's not just about family. It's about everybody and all the people that we influence. Now, let me ask you this question. Have you ever reacted to someone when they said something to you? Anybody want to confess about that today? How many of you have ever responded to someone when they said something to you? Responding is always so much better than reacting, isn't it? Every time I've reacted, I've had to apologize to that person. Every time I've responded, everything went great, and we were at peace, and everything was fine. You see, that's why people in the world today, they can rise above their circumstances. is because they've learned to listen to the Lord and respond appropriately to Him. Have you ever met somebody who just had a really, really, really hard life? It just seemed like every time they turned around, they couldn't get a break, and it wasn't their fault. It wasn't something they did. They just went through a difficult time. But they grew up, and as adults, they weren't bitter, and they weren't angry. They weren't cynical or self-destructive. They could have been, but they chose to avoid all of that because they learned how to respond to God. You see, how do you do that? You have to make a decision. Did you know that that's a decision? It's a decision to choose whether or not you're going to respond or whether or not you're going to react. And so generally in a bad situation, it just makes it worse if I react. But if I respond appropriately, I don't have regret. 
Now, regret is something that happens to all of us, and it's a way for us to remember then what we need to do is always respond appropriately. You see, to react is like relinquishing control of our lives and giving our enemy an ink pen to write the rest of our story and life. Well, you just determine what I'm going to do. We don't want to do that. And so never underestimate the power of a measured response. My dad died a few years ago. He was an accountant. He very, very seldom did he react to things. Most of his life, he was a really good example to me of a person who responded to things. He thought about things. He was patient. He was a good listener. He, he learned how to respond to people in a way that benefited them. In fact, he's an accountant, but people at work would come to him and talk to him about their problems because he was a good person to talk to. And so you and I, we have a choice. I remember years ago, I was a youth minister, at, uh, an associate pastor at First Methodist Church in Fort Walton Beach, and I worked with the young people there. And there was a, a girl in the youth group, good friend, I knew her well. She came in one day and sat down in my office, and she just started telling me everything that was wrong with me. Well, I decided I better settle back and get comfortable. This could take a while. So she just let me have it. I mean, with both barrels, and she just went on and on and on. And I jumped up and slapped her into the middle of next week. No, you know, by the grace of God, I responded appropriately this one time. I'm not going to tell you about all the times I messed up, okay? But in this one instance, the Holy Spirit just spoke to me, and I just stayed real quiet. I didn't say a word, and I didn't even take it personal. I didn't even realize. I just let it go. It was just water off a duck's back. And when she got through, I said, how are you doing? And then she started telling me about all the things in her life that were her problems. Hurt people hurt people. And so really what was going on with her was that she was just struggling, and, and she was just kind of kicking the dog. In my case, I was the dog there. You don't have a hard time imagining that, do you? And so, you know, but what happened was that, that God just took that, and the Holy Spirit just used that, and we had a great conversation together, and we found peace together. I've told you about the book, The Bait of Satan. But, but there's new people here every Sunday. Let me just mention it to you. The bait of Satan talks about offense. And it says the bait that Satan uses to get us separated from other people and from God is the bait of offense. And if he can get us offended by somebody else or something or even angry with God, then he's got us isolated from those people and from God, and he can beat us one-on-one -on -one every time. And so you and I have a choice. We can say, you know what? I'm not going to take the bait. I don't have to do that. I, I don't have to let the enemy win here. I'm not going to go in that direction. I'm going to choose not to take the bait. And let me tell you something. When you do that, people, especially in the world, people sit up and take notice. When they see you respond instead of react, it really gets their attention, but in a positive way. And then you can have their respect, and then you can influence them. Good decisions always lead to better, I mean, good questions always lead to better decisions. And that's why it's important for you and me to make those kinds of questions that we offer to other people. So there's no getting around the fact that a well-prayed 
placed, appropriately timed, thought-provoking question sets us up for better decisions and fewer regrets. Now, let me tell you who's nodding their head yes to that. Anybody who's a professional counselor, if they're here today, if they're listening online, they're all going, hey, what he said is true. That's the truth. If you can ask the right question at the right time in the right way, then you can help people discover their answers. Good counselors get this. They understand it. And, you know, because what they do is they lead us to help us make our own decisions, you know, whereas... You know, if, you, if I try to tell you what to do, you're not going to do it. But if you discover it, you're going to do it. That's why I don't really like to do counseling anymore. I'm not very good at it. And when I do it, you know, I like to tell people what to do, but they never pay attention. They never do what I tell them. You know, you know that. You don't listen to me anyway, right? So that's, that's just the way it is. Why would I do that? You know, my approach to counseling is a lot, a lot like the old movie Moonstruck. There's a scene in there where Nicolas Cage looks at Cher and says, Loretta, I love you, and she slaps him and says, snap out of it. That's my approach to counseling, okay? But you know what? I don't have the time or the patience to do what great counselors do. Here's what they do. They leave breadcrumbs on the path for us to discover the answer. And you know, that's a great gift that they have, and it's so meaningful. And a well-placed, appropriately timed, thought-provoking question can make all the difference for you and me. Now, I experienced this firsthand about 35 years ago when I went to a really good counselor. I met with this counselor. He was really good. The questions that he asked me were at the right time and the right way. He was a good listener, and he helped me see something that I had never seen before. I realized that day that I was angry at God, but I didn't even know it. And I didn't want to admit it, even if it was true. And through that, I, I learned, because Laura and I were going through infertility, we were trying to have children, we were depressed. And, and you know, I learned that when my personal life was out of control, I tried to control my professional life. So the way I did that was I said, well, I'll just work harder. Well, it didn't work. Working harder and working longer didn't change the circumstances, did it? But this counselor helped me to see it. And I realized nobody ever asked me to do that. The church never asked me to do that. God never asked me to do that. Nobody had ever done that. So why was I doing it? And then, then over time, one day I got this thought from the throne. And God spoke to me. And this is what he said. He asked me a question. He said, now, when did my son get married? Well, he didn't get married, Lord. How many kids did he have? Well, he didn't have any children, Lord. He didn't have a little boy to play ball with? No. He didn't have a little girl to rock to sleep at night? Uh-uh. Huh. And all of a sudden, I realized something. I always knew that Jesus died for me. But what I didn't realize was that he gave up his life before he died for me. And when I realized that, the light bulb came on. And I said, if he can do that for me, I'm going to love him and serve him, even if we never have children and mean it. But it was God that worked in me to get me to that place. You know what? Now, 
when it comes to progress, to making decisions and avoiding regret, I remember, try to ask really well-placed, appropriately timed, thought-provoking questions because they can be really beneficial to others. So I want to give you the five questions in, uh, in advance so that you can know what they are before you ever get to that situation, okay? And I know what you're thinking right now. You're sitting there going, okay, great. What are the five questions? I'm not going to tell you. Because what I'm going to do is each week I'm going to tell you a new question. So you need to either come or tune in so you can be a part of it because it takes too long to go through each one of them individually in one message. So I'm going to do that and I'm going to scatter that out. But I think you'll be benefited by it. Now, here's what I'd like for you to do. Look at Proverbs 27, 12. It says this, The prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. Now, that's a good word, prudent. We don't always use that word much anymore. What does prudent mean? Prudent, prudent means to be crafty, to be shrewd, to be sensible. What do crafty, shrewd, sensible people do? Well, they connect the dots. And what are the dots? The dots are that the decisions that you made yesterday will have an impact on the decisions that you make tomorrow. They're not just random individual decisions. They all tie together and all of our lives are tied together and connected in such a way that each one of them is very important. So we want to make decisions relationally, financially, academically, professionally, physically, spiritually. Any important decision that we make, we want to first ask these five questions of ourselves. Now here's what Solomon is saying in the scripture. He's saying prudent people see danger and take refuge, but the simple-minded, the naive people, they just approach life as if everything is disconnected. Solomon says they just keep right on going in the direction they're headed, even if it's the wrong direction. You ever make your mind up about something, say, okay, that's what I'm going to do, and you start doing it and you realize you messed up? And, but I've already started out this way. I can't turn around. I've got to go on, right? Not right, wrong. That's not the right answer. Sometimes you have to put it in reverse. Sometimes you have to turn the car around. You've got to back the truck up, whatever it takes, and say, you know what? That's the wrong way. I'm going to go in a different direction. So I want to encourage you to memorize that scripture and then to be here or to be online and watch these messages so that you can answer these questions for yourselves. We're going to be looking at them together. And next week, we're going to be looking at the integrity question. That's number one. That's the first thing. Now, before you go, i got a little homework for you, okay? I've told you to memorize the scripture, and I've got three questions I want to ask you. If I were you, I would jot these down. You know, you think that you got a perfect memory. You're going to remember these. When you leave here, you won't even remember my name. All you'll be thinking about is what you're getting ready to eat. Write these down so that you won't forget them, okay? First, you can also go online. If you're doing this with your uh, phone, they're on there, I believe. Number one, can you think of a decision that you've made that led to regret? Have you ever made a decision that led to regret? And maybe you want to write them down and have a list of them and mention all of them, you know, whatever they are. They're the ones that make you cringe that you don't want to think about, those are the ones that come to mind. Number two, why don't you make better decisions, especially when you know better? 
Ask yourself that question. Why is it that I do what I don't want to do? It's like the Apostle Paul. Why don't I do the things I ought to do? I'm making poor decisions. And the third thing is this. Have you ever seen trouble coming, but you kept moving in that direction anyway? I am messing up. I am messing up. I am me I'm getting closer to the cliff. I'm just going to keep driving. Why do we do that? What are we thinking there? And then memorize the scripture. And next week, we'll look at the integrity question together. Let's pray together. Lord, I just thank you. I thank you for loving us enough to, to allow us to be close to you, to give us eyes to see and ears to hear and courage to act. Lord, I pray for every individual for every couple, for every student that is right now in the middle of making a big decision. I ask you to open their eyes and to give them insight they need to be prudent for those who see danger coming and there's something in them that wants to keep right on going. Would you give them the courage to step away, to listen to the questions other people are asking them? or to perhaps ask that question they're afraid to ask that will move them in a different direction. Thank you, Lord, for caring about us, for being our refuge. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.